Hi, I'm Reverend Carol Saunders, host of The Spiritual Forum. I'm here with a lot of interesting people who gather each week to be an inquiry and dialogue on living the spiritual life. We're all on the spiritual path, growing in our understanding of ourselves and others, and moving from being complainers to being empowered to simply being. We know that we can't change the world unless we change ourselves. Welcome to the forum. Welcome to the Spiritual Forum, everyone. So glad you're here. I want to just say a few things. First of all, thank you so much for listening today. I've been thinking a lot about this because I'm a podcast listener and there's a ton of podcasts out there. So you're listening to this one right now and really grateful and know that this is going to bring you some, some gift. We know that. So really glad that you're here. And I want to invite you to share this podcast with anybody you know who is on the spiritual path, which is basically everyone. They just don't know it. <laughs> and I would like to get this out there because we're just a really an interesting voice of hope and reminding people that the divine is on your side. And there's so many ways that God source the divine shows itself to us. And every time I have a new person on, there's just it's just like another angle. So I think it's a really important message in the world. All right, let me introduce you to our guest today, Patty Lennon. Patty Lennon is an ex-corporate banker turned intuitive coach. She cared for aging parents, worked through grief, and racked up significant debt in the midst of starting a new business. A big shift that brought magic into her life happened once she started to surrender her heavy obligations, and hold faith that the divine truly had her back. Patty's been featured in Forbes, Fast Company, Daily Worth, and is the host of the Space for Magic podcast, where she blends brain science and metaphysics to help her listeners find clarity, focus, and inspiration. She's a founder and CEO of The Receiving School and the author of the new book, Space for Magic. Welcome, Patty. Thank you. Thank you for having me here, Carol. I'm really looking forward to talking to you. I, before we started, I let you know that I did read your book, Space for Magic, and there's lots of good stuff in there about why the law of attraction doesn't work for everyone or what we can do to make the law work. I know that's, that's one of the things that kind of intrigued me because I have people that I coach regularly and there's times that it's like, why isn't it working for me? Why isn't it working for me? So I hope we can shed some light on that today. But before we get into any of that, I'd like for you to give us a brief synopsis of your personal journey. I know you were a type A corporate banker, and now you are a, I call you a surrenderer to the divine, and would like to know how you traverse life to get to where you are today. I love that. I love that surrenderer to the divine. So, well, briefly how I became a type A corporate banker, because it was not my intention. I actually was in college expecting to become a public defender and eventually go into politics. And all of that came from a place of really always having an affection for the underdog and feeling like based on my particular gifts, that was what was calling me. And while in college, I had an internship at a public defender's office. And when I learned how the justice system really worked, and at the time I was a white conservative right-wing woman. So just understand, I was not liberal when I went into this at all. And I, so through that particular lens, working inside the justice system, my heart was broken because up until then I thought in the States, 
that the constitution we had, the way it worked was just an amazing, amazing vehicle to create equality for everyone. Finding out that that didn't exist left me pretty lost at the end. I didn't end up going to law school and I had graduated in 93, which was a terrible job market. And so I got a temp job, which happened to be at a bank. Now, where I became a type A was, was just in a context that really encouraged some things that are natural for me. I love rules. I love people pleasing. I love succeeding. You know, sometimes type A's come from this place of like, oh, I'm going to dominate the world. That wasn't me. It was just initially, I just loved all of these things. It was what brought me to law and everything. And so I thrived in my temp job. And I really wasn't there intending to make a career. I was waiting to figure out what I was going to do. But because I was thriving, I was offered a job. My parents at the time seemed obsessed with me having health benefits. So I took the job. <laughs> but about five years into it, all of a sudden I woke up and realized like this really was working for me. And I, I really made a career out of it. And the more I performed, the more I got accolades and you know everything was just this cycle right so I just I just became more and more and more of that and then at the end of my 20s I woke up one morning and it was literally like that like I got out of bed and all of a sudden was thinking about going into work and wondering would God be happy with me like really was I living my purpose was I honoring what the gifts that God had given me and by that point, I really wasn't a practicing Catholic. That's how I was raised. So it wasn't that it was this very strict religious perspective. It was a legitimate inquiry, you know, and I had someone I worked with that I really respected in the banking. She was fairly senior and had a very rich spiritual life. And so I went to her and I asked her to help me understand, you know, what God might want for me. And she said, how do you know God didn't just put you here to do God's work, right? And, and I, and I really doubted that, honestly, I was like, mm. and she said, Patty, I can tell you this, when you're in a room, people treat each other differently. They're more respectful to each other. They're kinder to each other. So even though I had this type anus about me, there was something in the way I treated other people that got them to treat each other better. And as I started to see my career through that lens versus the lens of, moving up the, to the C-suite at, and I worked for a global bank. So I was fairly, I, I, from my young age, I had already been promoted quite well, but there was still a really robust track for me. I started to see how can I help others do well? How can I help others succeed? Still using those things that I thought were important. How can I help others make more money, get promoted, et cetera. That really just started to light me up. And that got me to go for my master's in psychology, which the bank paid for to their credit. And with the expectation that I would hold it almost like an executive leadership role at the bank. A few years later, the banking industry starts to fail. I realized that is not going to be a department they're going to fund any longer. And at the time, coaching was emerging as a field. And so I started to get my certification in coaching. And it was when I was with that particular group of people, the coaching people inside the organization I learned in was Martha Beck. They were very spiritual and law of attraction. These were all things I had not really put a lot of energy in, law of attraction, 
it opened up this whole energy in me and we were out in the desert at a retreat in a hotel, by the way. So every time I say that people think, oh, we're literally standing in the middle of, no, not in the <laughs> desert, like in a, you know, not in some kind of like weird situation. We were just, this desert has a spiritual energy to it. I just started to know things about people and started to have all of these other spiritual gifts, other intuitive gifts. And that really got me to focus in a different direction when I opened my own business. So I ultimately left the bank, opened my own business first as a law of attraction coach, quickly became a business coach because I found my pragmatism just did not initially do well helping people with law of attraction. I was like, for the love of God, you can't pay your bills. All right, let's just focus on this. (laughs) And then ultimately through the loss of my mother and my father found my way back to this place of really knowing that what I was meant to do was to help people understand how the divine works with them, how the divine takes care of each of us and how to allow in that help. So that was it. Okay, There's great. Because I, I took some notes and I have a few things that I want to reflect on because you packed a lot in there that I think that I want to pull out a little bit. Because first of all, you said, you asked the question, would God be happy for me? Was, would God be happy with for me? me? With, with me. me. Would God be happy with me? Okay. So it, it just occurred to me, what if we asked that question like every day? You know, would God be happy with me today? And whether you believe that God is a being outside of you or the higher self within you, it's a question worth asking. Am I right now, am I being who I should be being? And not not that there's a should, but who I've been uh, created to be. And and I think the answer generally is, is God is happy with us, how we are, and not like a judgment. But I think it's a really interesting question to ask. The other thing that I thought was really important is the idea that you were in banking and this person you were talking with who was spiritual pointed out to you that when, when you're in the room, people behave differently. And I just think that's really important for everyone who's listening now to know that your energy is impacting everyone around you all the time. And as you're, you're being a kind, loving, generous person, if, as you're being a, a spirit-centered person, that people sense that, whether you're in banking or engineering or ministry or pouring coffee or cleaning a room or whatever, that that's really important that we, we recognize that our vibration really matters. The, the next thing that really struck me is you're in banking boy, I identify with this because I was in engineering. I worked for an oil company for like 20 years and it was not what I was meant to be. I I knew that from the very beginning, but I didn't know what else to do. But to be able to reframe wherever you are in work to, you reframed it to how can I help others? So Mm -hmm. here I am, not really in a typical helping business. I mean, I think bankers help people, but everybody helps people, but it's not like, you know, it's not like a typical helping business, but you found a way to shift your relationship with your work to be in service. And that's the other thing I want everyone's listening to, to really take to heart, because no matter where you are, if, if you're on your way to, maybe you're not in the place you, you feel like you should be now and you're on your way there, or maybe you were like me, you didn't know what that was but that we can shift our focus to wherever we are. How can we help people? How can we, how can we lift up where we are? How can we be the best 
me that I am here. And then the last thing, and then, and then we'll go on. But the last thing is when you were at the retreat, you started to uh, discern that you had this in, intuition or this intuitive mm-hmm. knowing, you started knowing things about people. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that a lot of people, myself included, I've been one of those people like, I, I'm not gifted in that way. Like, you know, the, the clairvoyance are, or mm-hmm. there are some people who are really strong intuitives and, and I negate my own intuitive ability. Mm-hmm. And, and if I look at myself, there are times it's like, I, I do know things. I do sense things. I sense a lot of things, but I don't label it the same as others who are called intuitives. Mm-hmm. And so that's another thing I think is important to point out for people because you probably were intuitive all along, but it just became really kind of clear to you. Yeah. Can I, can I kind of dive into that a little Please bit? Please do. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So to me, everything is about back to your original point, God's always happy with us, you know, not maybe the God of a traditional religion, but the divine, the the source of love, always happy with us. And also knows what is within our soul's desire for ourselves, you know, so it's always, are we sharing our full selves with the world, right? Every day. Right. But part of what we do is talk about people's gifts. And the thing that I think is interesting is that most people associate intuitives with two gifts, clairvoyance and clairaudience, which is hearing or seeing the thing. And that's really, it's actually popular media that has made this concept so confusing for people. Whereas what I have found, especially people on a spiritual path, is the two strongest gifts we typically have is clairsentience, which is feeling, and then claircognizance, which is knowing. And we can talk about what those look like in a bit, but to your point, like you feel things, like you sense things, you know things, right? Those are those two gifts. I can look back and see that I did have a a subtle level of those two gifts my whole life. However, my spirit guides have told me I consciously, as a before incarnation, chose to have those gifts basically locked down, very muted until I was 35, so that I knew what it felt like to walk through the world without open gifts, so that Mm -hmm. I could teach people how to access their own. So yes, I did have them to a certain extent. And I have some pretty funny stories from the banking days that I could share, where now I can see those gifts alive. And also, when you're in receptivity, when you're no longer in resistance to them, when you're no longer saying, oh, that's not me, what they look like is, you know, taking something that's very like muted and suddenly seeing it in technicolor. It is a very different experience. And in that particular retreat, it was, it was like, I mean, it was like detailed, like crazy details, you know, like not anything like the stories I have from like when I was younger, but anyway, all right. What else? Well, that's cool. Yes. Okay. And that's very cool. So you, you spoke about your spirit guides. So can you hear that? Or is that also just annoying? Yeah. At this point, my strongest gift, most of the time is claircognizance where if I, for myself, so if, if you were to ask me a question all of a sudden, I would just know the answer. And that's what claircognizance looks like. 
clairsentience, which is my second strongest gift, is if you ask me a question, all of a sudden I would feel the, the answer in my body first, and then my brain would translate it into an answer. But the feeling state would come before the actual answer. Okay. But over, okay. I mean, this has been 12, 13 years now. I do, when I work with clients, I will get their loved ones in front of me. I will hear them speaking to me so that it depends on who this, you know, if I'm working just with my own journey, Claire Cognizance and Claire audiences, I mean, Claire sentience is usually how it's coming through, but I do now have those other gifts. There are thousands of gifts. Like it's not as simple as the five Claire's, but the <laughs> other Claire would be Claire salience, which is when you smell things. And I actually met recently someone that works in food and they get all their information through smell. So like it's oh, wow. smell and it turns it into a story for them. Okay. So I don't, let's, let's figure out where we want to go from here. I do want to ask you about the name of your book, the space for magic. I'm interested in what, mm -hmm. how you define magic. Yeah. So how I define magic magic is it's the force that bridges the gap between you knowing that you desire something for yourself, or you know that something in the world in your dreamiest state could be possible, but the human effort that you are capable of can't take you to that place. Whether you're talking about world peace, or in my case, when I had you know over six figures in debt, being debt-free, it's just, we can't physically create a plan, right? To get us to that end state, but there's certain things we can do. So the, the force that bridges the gap is what I call magic. And so you can call it love or, you know, God or the manifestation energy and any of those words would apply to what we're talking about, but that's how I define magic. Okay. That's really very, very cool. I like that a lot. Because I, I think it is a word that you know a lot of people have uh, just different ideas for what it is, but I think everybody knows, everybody knows that that potential that we see ourselves as, or or that dream that we have, whether it's a relationship or a home or some you know a, a following or a, some sort of impact in the world, and just like oh my gosh, I have no idea how to get there, absolutely no idea. So what you're saying is the the divine energy that is, is, are you saying magic is the divine energy that allows us to, to get to our dream? Or is it just the space in between where we are sitting and where we want to go? Ooh, that's such a good question. A good way of phrasing the question. So I think it's a combination of what you just described. And because I still am a little type A-ish, the way I describe it to people is if you're here in point A and you want to go to point B, if you sort of put little ticks along the line of like, okay, let's, let's use debt, right? So I was six, over six figures in debt, right? And here I am over six figures in debt and their point B is me being debt-free. Well, there's a few things I could do, right? I could cut expenses. I could make more money. There's certain things. But even when I do that, it only takes me like a third of the way. Mm -hmm. And at that point, then I have to let go. I have to surrender yeah, and be carried to the destination. Now it doesn't mean that in that, in that third of the way to the final way, I'm not doing anything. 
know, I might get a loan, a job opportunity might come up, you know, lots of things can come, but I won't be the one that has made them happen. They'll come into my life by magic. And so it is all of the occurrences that happen that take us to the next level of our desires, of our dreams, of our spiritual path that we didn't personally orchestrate and generally happen because of a surrender energy. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. So, so do you want to talk a little bit about the law of attraction? Yeah. Um, yeah. Let's talk about that. Cause I, I think, I think people have a lot of misunderstandings about it and manifestation and all of that. And I'm a unity minister and unity has been big on the law of attraction. And so let's talk about what works and, and what doesn't work and how we bridge that gap. So yes, let's, yes, let's. <laughs> so I've studied this a lot. Law of attraction exists, you know, the law that is the law of attraction mm-hmm. exists. And the law says when we vibrate at a certain position of vibration, we will attract that which matches that vibration. That's essentially the law of attraction, which is super unhelpful. If you're trying to attract money and you have six figures of debt, right? And this is where the brain science for me comes in. So when I started to learn law of attraction, it was super cool. It was before we had built up all that debt. I was not a debtor in my life. Um, Our debt came all situationally because of illnesses and job loss and some other stuff. So there wasn't like I had been in this perpetual relationship with debt. You know, I had not Mm -hmm. been vibrating debt, whatever. But before that debt had come into my life and I learned about law of attraction, I'm like, this is so cool. And I was using it and things were coming into my life, right? Things like visualization and acting as if, but there's a place where once your dreams get beyond a certain level for your brain to maintain the energy of the as if story is relatively impossible for 80% of the brain structures. So highly right-brained people who spend most of their time in a creative space where they're constantly building out new worlds in their mind and actually being in the present moment is hard for them. That can actually work really easily for them and really well, as long as they don't have any other beliefs with them, like that from core, like core wounds from childhood. Mm -hmm. But generally for us, normal people, (laughs) (laughs) That's not something we can do. And yet the law of attraction will still work. And so why, you know, that was always what I was looking at. Why does it work and how does it work? And why does, why does it not work sometimes? So the thing that really isn't spoken about with law of attraction is the vibration we're talking about. Isn't just that vibration you feel when you're in the room with someone and they have a cool vibration. It's at the soul level. And that's not always obvious. And so anything you desire and you're at, you're doing active manifestation, all those techniques that are taught, you know, vision boards, visualization, acting as if, if it violates your soul's path, it's not happening. Like you Mm -hmm. will not, you can't, if you are not meant to have a red sports car for whatever reason, right now, looking back, I know why I had so much debt so that I can teach people how money works, even from that perspective. So there was no amount of manifesting I would have done to avoid the life contract I agreed to for my soul's journey, which was to have debt so I could get out of it. So I could teach that process. So anything someone wants, that would violate their soul's journey, their optimal soul's journey and what is for their highest good will not happen. 
law of attraction does not allow that to be because it has to vibrate from your soul, not just your mind. So that's number one. The other thing is that what's taught a lot in the spiritual manifestation slash personal development space is to be positive, right? This is a lot of that acting as if and positive. However, your brain needs to process negative emotions. If someone dies, if you suddenly wake up and accept that you have debt, which was part of my journey, you have to go through the grief process. And if you do not, you will actually stay in resistance. And resistance is, is in fact the strongest barrier to law of attraction working. So law of attraction works, the stuff gets delivered to your doorstep. But in order to open the door, you have to be in receptivity. And most manifestation work does not speak to what that means and how that actually works. Being in receptivity means receiving every piece of your life, every piece of yourself, the good and the bad, and then working with that. I know that was a lot of words. No, I mean, that's really, uh, really good. So I guess the question that I have is, how do you know what your soul wants? How do people know? I mean, or do people know what their soul wants, but it's the resistance that keeps them from, from actually discerning it. Or they're so focused on the outer world and the values out there that they think they want the red Corvette, or they think they want a specific job, or they think they want a certain relationship, but that's not really what, what their soul is calling them to. So that's such a good question. That's the million dollar question. Cause I get asked that all the time, like Patty, I think I'm doing all the things. And then you know, my love interest hasn't shown up. Am I blocking it? Or is it just that your love interest, it's not the right time? Like that's a big question we get. And it's really hard to make that, to do that discernment, especially if you're in an early part of processing your, your early life wounds. So every single one of us comes out of childhood with wounding. It doesn't matter how great your parents were. It doesn't matter how healthy all the people around you were. It just happens. And that's a podcast for another day. You're just going to have to trust me, right? <laughs> I think we all know that. <laughs> and But you go through personal development. And the key is to find the pieces of yourself that you locked away. And part of that is the desires that likely aren't appropriate for the people and that you associate as your people. Mm-hmm. Now, for some, this might be like some deep, dark sexual desires. It might be you came from a very utilitarian family. So wanting a lot of money is not okay, right? And so part of it's just kind of getting underneath those desires and letting those have their way up to the surface. Part of it is, I like me personally, I have learned I cannot work more than 20 hours a week. That is just not who I am. But because I come from tough Irish stock, it took me a very long time to accept that this is who I am. This is not me lazy, right? And so that takes some time. Like that's not something you can figure out right away. But what happens is as you allow yourself, in my case, to work 20 hours a week, to honor that I like a lot of money, Some of those other things I wanted that were more socially appropriate to the people that I grew up with started to fade away. Mm. I don't, I don't want a big house. You know, Mm. I don't want, you know, certain material things. 
but I couldn't quite see that. And most people can't quite see it until they let in what are their true desires. What I would say is if you feel it in your heart center, more than it's something up in your head, that's probably a true desire. And if it hasn't arrived yet, most likely there is some work you can do to release some of the resistance to it. But if when you think about it, 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 it sort of fixes other things like, oh, if I get this job, then my mother will be off my back. I can get my car fixed. I won't have to deal with my annoying neighbor. And then, I mean, you know, at work, but most of the energy of that discussion is sort of up in your head. It's not like mm-hmm. your heart's going, I want a new job. Right, right. Then that's not your deep desire. And, and it's time to just dig a little bit deeper to find out what you really want, which actually is explained. I want a new car. I want my neighbor at work to go away. I, you know, and you can start to just honor those requests first. Okay. Okay. Okay, great. I think, I think that we live with so much cultural conditioning. It's yeah. just so hard to dig through all of those layers to find ourselves at all, you know, I mean, cause I remember you, you went to high school and then you went to college and you got a degree that would get you a job. And then you got a job and it was all about getting that job. And there wasn't a lot of reflection on, is that, is that what I want to do? <laughs> Those questions weren't really, weren't really asked. What does my heart want? It's, we're just not really oriented that way. So, so to dig through those layers of the cultural conditioning and then your own ego conditioning and familial conditioning to find, you know, who, who am I? That's a lot of work, good work. It's really, really good work. It is. And what I found for someone listening that may be like, Jesus, now I've got like this giant job ahead of me. (laughs) Um, The good news is anything that's not of your heart desire, I would bet if you're like, why hasn't this arrived yet? Like, why isn't manifestation working? You can come up with uh, a different desire that would take you a part of the way. And what I mean by that is we usually, it's not usually as important that that particular thing comes into your life right now. Yeah, so timing is a big deal. It's like, if you're like, well, I'm manifesting you know, a love interest and they haven't shown up. No, no, Patty, I really do want this. I feel so lonely. Okay, so let's start there. It's the loneliness eight. So can you make a list of seven or 10 other things that aren't a love interest? I get that, but that maybe could bridge it a little bit, like could help a little bit, like a new friend that's really Mm -hmm. passionate about something you're passionate about, Mm -hmm. or maybe some really fabulous dates, even if they're not your soulmate. You know, like, could you try asking for those things and see what happens? And I would bet you that they start to show up super quick because the divine's like, I heard you, I heard you. I just can't fulfill your love interest request right now, either because that person isn't ready for you yet. You're not ready for them yet. You still need to learn how to be on your own, maybe, right? Like there could, but like, I want you to know I love you so I can send you these other things. I just need you to ask for them first. That's so sweet. I love that idea. It's very, it's very loving. Like I, I want to give this to you, but it's not ready or you're not ready, but let me give you everything else I can in the meantime. That's a really sweet, sweet idea. Cause I, I have this conversation with my youngest daughter a lot. She wants to manifest a relationship. And sometimes I say, you know, maybe your, maybe your person is, 
with somebody else right now and having to learn lesson over there and just not available. Maybe it has nothing to do with you and your situation here. Maybe it's just timing. But that's really, really great. Very helpful. Um, I want to talk a little bit about visioning because I think you, you mentioned ask. Don't you think that people sometimes have desires and dreams, but they don't make the ask? Yes, absolutely. So I think that's excellent. I think we're, so yes, you have to ask. The thing is that a lot of what I saw when I was first learning manifestation really focused on if it hasn't arrived, you haven't asked properly. So now ask a different way. Yeah. And my take is as long as you ask in some way, including just having the thought, I would really love a love partner. The divine is omnipotent, does not need a vision board to understand (laughs) that's what you want, but you do have to acknowledge your desires. So just like I said, if you keep asking for that love partner, but you haven't asked for awesome dates and a new friend that shares your passion for travel, because let's say that's what I see with a lot of people wanting a love interest. It's because there's some experience they want to be doing out there in the world and they want their partner in it with them. You know, maybe they're on a new spiritual path and I would love a love partner that's on the spiritual path with me. We could be learning all this stuff together. Okay. But you could have a friend in the meantime, that's just as passionate. And yes, you maybe you're not going to have sex with them, but you know, it could still be a lot of fun. Right. Right. You know, <laughs> but if you've, ha- if you've sort of said like, no, that's not what I want. That's not what I want. You haven't made the ask. But the thing is, if you have made the ask, and it hasn't shown up, I 100% promise you it's not because you haven't asked properly. Like you can write a letter, you can do a vision board, but that's what I used to see is like, oh, well, maybe you don't believe in it enough. Have you done your vision board this year? You know, do you look at it and do you believe it? You know, no, 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 no. Love, attraction, shaming. (laughs) Yes. Yes. And on top of it, the divine knows we're human. The divine knows we have doubts. The divine does not require our absolute faith in that this is a given. That was the whole point of the human condition is doubt. Like that is this adventure on crazy planet school earth, you know? So there's not any special words you have to say, (laughs) special way of doing it. No. And I would say also, you do not have to ask for it in the present tense as if it already existed. Because if your brain, if you are a strong left brain person, your brain will fight that BS so hard because it'll be Uh, like, oh my God, this is like, I'm sure you, your engineering mind would be like, give me a break. This does not exist. (laughs) I know verb tense. This does not yet exist. And that's resistance. (laughs) And so it puts us into resistance. Whereas if you're a big creative type, yeah, you could be like, I am a millionaire and you could just float through the day and love it and whatever. And if I walk through the world going, I mean, in moments I'm like, Ooh, what would I buy if I, you know, had an extra million dollars to spend right now? And I might like have some ideas and I could get into that energy for a little while, but I'm not going to be able to walk through this entire week like that. That's, that's insanity. <laughs> I love that. It's so interesting because yeah, the, the engineering mind and in, in unity, unity teaches affirmative prayer, like always making affirmations always as is. And yeah, there's a part of my mind that's like, wait a minute, <laughs> wait a minute. I am. And that's not true. So, so then you're saying it's okay to say, Hey, you know, I'd like this yes. as opposed to I am a millionaire. Yes. And affirmative thinking, you know, from what I understand of the unity perspective actually is really helpful. It's just, you have to be 
very detail-oriented. So I am wealthy, right? I can say that right now, not just because of my bank account, because I know how much the divine has for me. I, right. I live on land, right? I am wealthy. I am well cared for by the divine. The divine is gifting me every single day. All of these are thoughts that would, your brain would not fight. There's a value to it, but you can't just be making up. But some people can get on board. I don't know. I mean, from what I understand, some of those stories, I signed my name to the check. I think that's Jim Carrey's story and like the lead singer of Queen, Freddie Mercury. I just walked through the world like a diva. Like even if he was sleeping on someone's couch, he would ask them to get them, get him coffee. You know, like he oh. Oh, Freddie. was fine. Like those are, I am not built like that. Yeah. And I also know the stories of somebody who doesn't have money in their bank account, but they go to the Ritz Carlton or something, the, the most expensive restaurant and have the most expensive drink and charge it. And it's like, they think they're putting a demand on the universe, but you're putting, you're creating debt right there. Correct me if you think I'm wrong. I, I don't think there's a one size fits all. I think that some people could go into, you know, a very wealthy establishment. And, and I actually almost was like, oh, I think I should switch off of money because I don't want everyone to think it's all about money, but I'll just stick right, with right. this for a while. And yeah. you, you really feel like these are your people, you know, like these are my people. And sure. that really does do it for you because you actually aren't yet the wealth that you're creating. And so anything you can do that puts you in that energy of it really does lower your resistance to it because it becomes more your belief system. However, if you take me when I was in excess of six figures of debt and I am a pragmatic and I really don't want to be adding to that balance sheet, no matter what joy I would have gotten from that experience, the little niggling voice in my head that was like, shit, you're making it worse would have been more problematic, but that's me. And I think you, it sounds like Carol, you'd be the same way, but yeah, right. else might not, you know, okay, so you, got it. you have to get honest with yourself, but you can't lie your way out of law of attraction. Like you can't, you can't make up rules. Like it's going to show you what's true for you or not. Right. And, and if, if a certain action doesn't resonate with me, that doesn't mean I'm doing it wrong. Right. It, it, it means I have another way for the law to work or have another way for me to be in alignment with this law. This way that works for you doesn't work for me. I think that's really important because when we read about the law of attraction or, or other spiritual laws, we think there's a certain way of doing it and we're doing it wrong. And again, we're shamed for it or we throw the law out entirely. It just doesn't work because yeah. it doesn't work for me doing it your way. So it's a really good message. And, and I agree, it's not about money, but it's about the law is the law. And each one of us has our own unique way of being in this world. And you talk about the brain chemistry. And so it's like finding how your brain and your soul is going to be resonating with this law and, and, and acting from there. Absolutely, yes. That's a great message. I mean, it's a really great thing. Because I think too many people are trying to do it another person's way. Mm -hmm. I do want to say something about vision boards because I think they're useful for at least you figuring out what you want or creating a picture for what you want. It doesn't mean that when you put the vision board together that that means, okay, now God make that happen or 
but I think, I think there's some use in, if you're inclined and maybe not everyone's inclined this way, but if you're inclined to have a pictorial representation, something's visual or something that evokes feeling. And it, I know for me, it's helped me get clear on what it is that I want. And if it works for you, do it. And if it doesn't, don't. I love that, that you're saying that. Cause honestly, the, the thing I get the most hate mail on, and I put that in quotes, I don't get a lot of hate mail, but I will <laughs> generally get when some people read the book, they're like, but I just, like, I loved your book, Patty, but I just have to say, I, vision boards really work. And the thing is, I'm not saying they don't. I'm saying I hate doing them. Me personally, (laughs) I hate doing them. And I am here to take a stand for every other person who's like dragging out their stack of magazines. I mean, I did this for years dragging out the stack of magazines going on Facebook anyone got any magazines for me you know like cutting the damn pictures out gluing them down. I don't like doing it the words I do not like doing it okay and, don't make me do it and and people told me my it was because I hadn't done my vision board, you know? Oh, and so I'm okay. here to take a stand for every other person. I love that. That does not like to do vision boards. But if there you, we go. you do them, I think they're an amazing tool. And by the way, I haven't been to a retreat that's had this in in its con in its context in quite some time. But anytime I've ever done it where someone brings the magazines and makes the space for me to do it. And I have people next to me so I can talk to them and someone's rubbing my back, you know, like take a good vision board. Those in those circumstances, <laughs> it comes with a massage. <laughs> yeah. Cause I, I don't like sitting for that long. That's part of my problem. And I did it in a yoga retreat. And she, I said, I was like, can I just skip this part? And she was like, why? Why? And then finally I was like, I said, I don't like sitting there. Like, and she's like, what if I came over and rubbed your back? I'm like, fine. I will do the vision board. Then. <laughs> That's fine. I surrender. I surrender. <laughs> well, well, I'll do it too if I get a back massage. Goodness. I'll sit at the Ritz Carlton and, and go into debt if I get a massage while I'm doing it. There you go. Oh, yeah. So I guess the key is that we need to find our own path. We need to find our own path and and know that the divine has our back and is there to, to give. And, and that our work is to remove all the blocks that we have to receiving, which I think is a large part of your book. Yes. And just so that someone who's listening, who hasn't read the book, I want you to understand it. it, There's a lot of like doing language that we're using right now, Carol and I, but really a lot of the manifestation work is to not do it's Mm -hmm. most of us have done too much. It's why I'm so objectionable to vision boards also, because it's one more thing we have to do where a lot of times Mm -hmm. it's the stop doing it's if you want a love interest is you know a lot of times I'm like stop checking the dating apps every day it's not the dating apps don't work it's just if you've been doing them as a daily practice for two years just give yourself a break stop doing that stop scanning the horizon of your life to see if there's a social invitation that if you miss you're going to miss your love interest right what do you want to do? Do you want to sit on the couch and watch Netflix tonight, but you're not going to, because you're afraid if you miss that party, you might miss meeting that person. No, 
do the thing you want to do that you desire to do because that is taking you there. Oh, if, that's beautiful. I just, I mean, it's just beautiful because it's really about loving yourself. Yes. And understanding yeah. the minute you had a desire, the divine started co-creating with you. You don't have to do all these other things. I mean, follow inspired action, but inspired action is very different than effort action. Yeah. So we are human doings, you know that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and and we're raised that in the Western world for sure. Yeah. It's interesting. The person that I interviewed before you a few days ago, she's a, a, a dancer and she is really into being. She's of Indian origin and just, it's just a completely different energy than than what we're raised in in the, the West. And we talked about how we do these goals and we have purposes and we, we have all these things that we're doing, but our soul is timeless. Our soul doesn't really respond to, to all of that. But at the same time, so here with the law of attraction, at the same time, we're wanting to manifest our dreams, but if we make them like a goal or some sort of a thing we need to climb to get to, mm -hmm. then we're kind of missing the, the point. And we probably, and we'll probably miss the dream too. Yeah. We'll probably even miss seeing it because we're so busy putting this foot in front of the other and, and checking for the signs and checking our maps and all that, see where we are, are we on track and the divine may have it right there for us, but we're not able to see it. Yeah. I'm missing becoming the person we had the potential to become in this particular lifetime. Yeah. And, and ultimately we, we don't want to be at the end of life or on the other side and going, ah, I missed it. I, I missed the whole thing. I, I, I got busy. I was doing too much or, or I was not following my soul essence. And that's such an affliction that, that we have not following our soul essence. So can we talk about the rules of receiving? Yeah. Well, we can talk at the at, about them at a high level, but if it's yeah. okay, there's a story that just keeps popping into my head. And I, yeah. I want to share it because it's, I think it's more important than if we get to the rules okay. ultimately, because it was the key to me really creating the receiving school and actually documenting the rules of receiving. And that was the so I said, I lost both parents, you know, they died. They, they were older. My mother died of lung cancer. My father died of a heart attack, but at 89. So I had him for quite some time. And he was a died in the wool Irish Catholic. Like he was all the things that you would think an Irish Catholic dude was right. And he went to mass all the time. In fact, he like cracked his skull open at one winter right before he died because he went to mass on black ice, you know, just like he was, he was, did all the things that a good Catholic does. And he, when he got to the other side, uh, he first, when he crossed over, just as an aside, when my mom crossed over after dying over the period of weeks, she was immediately available to me. But when my father died from a heart attack, because it was sudden, um, he actually took a little while to be able to communicate with me. So this was about a week after he crossed over, he was able to start to articulate what he came to know. And he said what he had expected when he crossed over was Jesus, Jesus or God, or one of, you know, St. Peter would be there to go through his list of sins. Like that's the Catholic thing is like anything you didn't go to confession for, you got to kind of answer for. Right. And he knew he had followed most of the rules. He didn't think he was going to go to purgatory, but he thought he'd have to like go through like all the things he got wrong and, and answer for them and go through whatever that meant. But when he crossed over, Every person, he had been a job recruit, like he had been an executive recruiter, headhunter 
his life. So he got people jobs. There were hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and many, many souls waiting for him. My mom just had her family. So every person's experience is different. He had Mm -hmm. all these people and they were people that he had found jobs for. They were kids that had gone to school because their parents, you know, had gone to college and Mm. they all were there to thank him. And, and then just all little kindnesses he had spread around the world. And he said, Patty, there's only one currency on the other side and it's kindness. That's all you cash in on the other side. And, you know, that's his currency. My, ours might be something, you know, similar, but the point is, is who were you and how did, all the, how was the world affected by you being there, right? And he, he said, you know, the Catholic practice helped him feel safe for who he was and how he was built. But the thing he would want people to know is that if you just act from kindness, kindness to yourself and kindness to others, you'll just be guided where you need to be. And the reward on the other side will, is magnificent. Wow. And I share that because I think we get it. And it's not about living a life of poverty or not having a love interest here or not having what you want. It's just sometimes the rules we put in place that is what it means to be a good person really get in the way of us just flowing with life, you know, and mm-hmm. making the difference that we make. So on the other side of that conversation, I and some other conversations during that summer after he died, I really started to understand this field of receptivity versus field of resistance as the key to all of it. That it wasn't about visualizing money or love interest or whatever you wanted. It was, you're either open and receptive, in which case everything you desire that is meant for you at this time is going to come into your life or you're in resistance. And that's where the rules of receiving came. Once I start to teach it, obviously it needs a structure. So I don't know. Do you think we have time? I can go through them super quick. Oh, yeah. No, I think we've got time. It, you don't have to be super quick. It's, it's mm-hmm. fine if we, if we go a little over. I, I think it's worth talking about. I think it's, I think this is really key for so many of us to be receptive because it's, I think that the visual would be, you know, we want something, but we're closed off. So we're saying we want it, but we closed the door, but I do want to, I do want to just reflect on the, the story of your father, because it's so beautiful. I mean, that's so beautiful. And I presume from the other side, he spoke this to you or you, you, you knew this or yeah, you were able to get this from him and your mother had a different experience. And I think that's important too, mm-hmm. because I think, I think we all, again, we think it's a one size fits all that, that beyond that, this veil, we're going to have the same kind of experience. Um, and I think I wouldn't, I don't say this to say that if you have someone that's going through a difficult death, that you need to believe what I'm telling you, but if it gives helps you make sense of it, I will share this with you. My mother lived her life with a lot of guilt for no reason. She was one of the best humans I've ever known, but she was just someone that was always worried. Did I do enough? Was I enough? Et cetera. Her death was very long um, because she had lung cancer. But during that time, she practiced coming in and out of her body. And she was able to cross the veil and come back, cross the veil and come back Wow! um, during those last weeks. And she was able to bring some information back to her human form that allowed her to forgive herself. And I 
you know, I've been through other people's deaths before I had the gifts at the level they're at. So I couldn't see that when they were going through this pain, but I got to see it with her. And as she got to the other side of the veil, she was just, just ready for, you know, everything that was there for her, you know, and her experiences where my dad, he, you know, shot out of his body. Like, you know, it was, it was a heart attack. It was like right out there. And and he needed some integration time, you know, he just needed Uh. to like, I think we have judgments about what a good death looks like. And, and I, I do want to convey that my experience is that the, the kind of death someone experiences really is guided and there really are angels there for them. And there really are beings helping them in that experience, even if we don't understand why that experience is happening the way it is. That's beautiful. And I know that will help so many people. I know that helps so many people because that's just a question that people have. So thank you for sharing that. Again, I think the theme for today is there, there isn't a one size fits all. And we, we each have our own individual way of living. Our souls have our, its individual purpose. And we have our own individual way of, of being with with the divine, with God and accepting all the good that, that the divine has for us. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I think we can still talk about the rules of receiving. Okay. You're still well, yes, absolutely. So there's five rules. And the first rule is receive the outer world fully. And what that means is a lot of times when things are good or happening to us, we're like, Ooh, this is awesome. But when something really difficult happens, we almost like, you know, picture as, you know, from a visual standpoint, like you almost like are crunched up and you've kind of got your hands out in front of you. Let's say someone yells at you, right? Or you observe a negative interaction and you're almost like pushing it away. That feels like it's healthy or healthful, right? It's, it feels like it is a boundary, but in fact, it's resistance. And really what you want to do is let it flow through you just not hold on to it. And so for instance, if someone yells at you and they're in the wrong, right? Which of course, if they're yelling at you, of course they're in the wrong, you're wonderful. But (laughs) so they yell at you and you don't want to hold it inside you, but you do want to let it inform you, right? And like, you know what? This is the third time this person has raised their voice to me. Rather than me still cringing, I think I need to spend time away from them, right? So you receive it and also receive the information that comes with it. So number one is receive the outer world, the good and the bad. That also means receive compliments, receive when someone offers you help, receive gifts, so all of that. So one is receive the outer world. The second role, and this one in receiving school is the one that makes the biggest shift for people in allowing them to manifest and have the lives they want is receive yourself fully. And this was what we had talked about earlier, which is When you want to be lazy, be lazy, because it's probably not lazy. It's probably just a judgment on a legitimate need to rest. When you're tired, honor that, right? When you don't like someone, honor that. Now, it doesn't mean you have to cut them out of your life, but tell yourself the truth. And also receive how awesome you are. Really honor your gifts. You know, humility is a wonderful thing in certain circumstances, but not in your relationship to, for you to you. 
The mm-hmm. third rule, which is once we get through those, people really like the third rule because it gives them something to do, which is clear space <laughs> to make space. And that's, there's lots of ways you clear space, but it's, you know, getting rid of things in your home and your office space that don't light you up, right? It's, it's a clutter clearing practice, but from a, what do I need to keep and what do I need to let go of? But it can be extended to people. It can be extended to your calendar, like the things you put on your calendar, clear space to make space because all of it's about, to me, manifestation, the biggest thing we need to do is make more space around us give us ourselves more time, give ourselves more rest, stop thinking everything has to get done by ourselves. So that's the third rule. The fourth rule is learn your language. And that was something we spoke about earlier, whereas the divine and your spirit guide and your spirit team, they're always helping you. But if you think it's gonna look like a voice in your ear or a vision in front of you, clairvoyance, clairaudience, it's not. They may use signs. They may use feeling, they may use other humans. So really learning what's the language the divine is using to guide you because then it's a lot less confusing. And that actually answers a lot of those questions you asked earlier, Carol, about how does someone know if you know they're blocking it or it's just not right for them? Well, you could start to ask for information and however you get it, it'll show up. You know, like, am I supposed to have, if, if it's optimal for me to keep focusing on a love interest. I want to see three yellow suns today, you know, like, so find your language. And then the fifth is do your hundred percent. And your hundred percent answers the question of, well, how do I know if I've done enough? Like you say, Patty, don't do so much, but how do I know? Like, I can't do nothing. And that's true. You can't do nothing. And the way that I describe a hundred percent is if you feel like you're pushing a boulder up a hill, the Sisyphus myth, if you Mm -hmm. feel like you're pushing a boulder up a hill with what you're about to do or what you're doing, you're past your hundred percent. Inspired action will never, it'll be scary. Sometimes it will take courage, but energetically it'll never feel like you're pushing a boulder up a hill. The minute you feel that stop, that's your point of surrender. And that's the whole system. Wow. There's so much in all of those, but that last one, we're so used to, you know, give me another boulder. (laughs) This boulder is really heavy, but you know what? I can, I can do it day and night. I can, you know, put a backpack on my back and I'll still push it. And I know myself in my life, I've, I've gone through so many phases like that, where at some point my body picks me up and smacks me down in bed and, and I'm, I'm sick. I literally make myself sick because I wasn't willing to stop. Yeah. And the thing that I speak to in the book or that I talk to in the practice is not only are you doing too much, but when you're in that relationship, you're actually resistance. You're pushing it away. It's not just that you're, you don't have the energy. You're actually pushing it away. So you're making it worse. Right. And that's such an important distinction, really important distinction. And I know in the receive yourself part of your book, I, I really like that a lot because you talked about uh, how we resist ourselves as being needy, lazy, and selfish. Mm-hmm. And, and, and boy, each one of those, res- especially the needy one resonated with me. I, I, I feel like, and I think it was yours too, that, you know, that I don't have needs. <laughs> I don't have needs, but I can, 
handle everybody else's needs or help everybody else's needs, but I don't, I don't have needs. Yeah. And that's, that's something that can happen so early in childhood that we carry for a long, long time. And, and to identify that as resistance is very, very, it's enlightening. It is. And to me, what's so fascinating, because it's based on psychological theory called the rejected self theory. So this is not mm-hmm. just my own data points. This was, I learned this with my master's mm-hmm. in psych. And what I find so amazing is when someone does what's in the book, or they've learned it through me through like a free training, not meaning they're not even in receiving school yet. When they embrace one of those three selves, lazy, um, needy, irresponsible, selfish, and those are all different words, but so if they spend the day just like on the couch and they really allow themselves to be what they would have thought was lazy, or they really allow themselves to be what they consider needy, Mm -hmm. almost always within like a week or two, there's a huge shift in their life around something that they were blocked on. It's, it's awe inspiring to me. Because the rejected self theory has been around since 1907. Yeah. And yet we just haven't had a practical application that's connected the dots for us and um, given it the right words, I think. And, and I think those words, the lazy, the needy, it unlocks something. Yeah. For someone. And, and it does, I, out of all the stuff I teach, it definitely is that one thing that I see moves the dial the fastest for anyone. That's, yeah, I can see that for sure. So why do a vision board when you could be doing that? <laughs> you could just be laying on the couch watching Netflix and having someone in your home bringing you a warm beverage. <laughs> Being needy. <laughs> see, my way is better, Carol. I've converted It's much you better. No more vision boards for me. (laughs) Okay. Well, I want to give you the last word, whatever you want to say to our audience about your receiving school or anything else. So, well, certainly if this is, if you're curious about it, get the book, Make Space for Magic, because you'll learn more about receiving school in that. But the last word I want to leave everyone with is when I do one-on-one sessions for people occasionally, or even in receiving school, when I'm getting message from spirit for people. If someone's new, this is their first time they're getting direct message. There's always two messages that come through and they're the exact same messages. Every single person I've been doing this for years. And the first is, I love you. And the second is, I'm proud of you. And what I want to leave you with is if you knew for a fact that the person that's on the other side of the veil or God or source or your spirit team right now is standing in front of you and saying, we love you. And we are so proud of you. What would you do differently? Because I promise you it would be something because it's always the message they deliver. Wow. Fascinating. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you for sharing yourself in this amazing way. It was a fun conversation. And and I I saw myself a lot in your book. And I really appreciate seeing that. And I really appreciate this conversation. It was just a lot of fun. So wish you the best and, and know that you're really blessing so many people's lives through your work. And I love you and I'm proud of you. Thank you. Thank you everyone for listening. And I now close the spiritual forum. Thanks for listening. If you like this podcast, you can let me know by leaving a positive rating and review on your favorite podcast app or make a tax deductible donation at the spiritualforum.org. The Spiritual Forum is a podcast, prayer, and retreat ministry 
affiliated with Unity Worldwide Ministries. Thank you again for being a part of the Spiritual Forum community. And remember, you are an amazing, divine, and powerful being. Thank you.